we're going to um, uh, carry on and think about uh, the book of Romans. This morning you may be a visitor, you may not even be a Christian, but you may have come here and thought, wow, you know, this is quite the morning, you're, got, you're moving into areas of... Um, of, of um, Spain, we're praying for people, then we are, are praying for and discipling uh, y- uh, young people and a few older ones in evangelism and outreach and all that God is doing and the way that God is working. Oh, well, this, is, um, this is terrific. And I want to encourage you that, that we really believe that Willow Park Church is called to reach out into the world. And, uh, and this is Christianity that is alive, Christianity that is vibrant, Christianity that lives and breathes through us. And we've been working our way through Romans chapter 8, verse by verse, to explore this whole subject of the supernatural. The Christian life is not natural, it is supernatural because you have the presence and the work of God at work in your life. You may not understand this if you're a visitor, but when you become a Christian, you don't get religion. Oh no, you experience something called a mega miracle. The greatest mega miracle that can ever happen in a person's life is when the Lord Jesus comes into their life and changes them. And when he changes you, it completely revolutionizes your life. Where you find that your life is, is shipwrecked, when you find that your life is a battle, when you find that your life is full of struggles, the truth is that Jesus Christ changes your life, gives you hope, gives you salvation, and gives you life. It's fantastic. And uh, let's read some verses together. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. We've got to verse 18 and we've talked about that there's no condemnation. We've talked about the life in the spirit. We've talked about setting our thoughts on things above. We've talked about dwelling on, centering on uh, the very beauty of Christ. We've talked about that in the biblical sense, there are not non-Christians, Christians and kind of super-Christians. There's either non-Christians in, in, in God's agenda or there are those who are led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, you are living as Christ designed you to live. But it says here, consider that our present sufferings are are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul is changing gear here. In verse 18, he turns around and looks at the world that we live in and goes, look at the current suffering that we are in. Look at what is taking place in the world. Look at the way that that the world is in the Roman Empire with the pain, with the suffering, with the persecution, with the emperor worship, with the lordship that comes through worshipping Caesar, Augustus and so on. Look at this world. Look at the way it creaks. Look at the suffering we go through. But he says, compared to what God has given us, it is nothing compared to the glory that is coming and the life that we have in the coming eternity. He wants to encourage us and remind us, we all face suffering. 
In fact, in verse, uh, verse 17, it talks about, about that we are heirs, but we all face suffering. Now, what are we heirs to when we become Christians? We are heirs to this. We, are, we become heirs, we inherit. First of all, we inherit eternal life. We inherit heaven, we inherit the new earth, we inherit all that God will bring in the coming age. We inherit eternity. That's why if you're not a Christian and you've wondered why nothing has ever satisfied you, and no matter what you do and how you live and where you do life, there's still an unsettledness within you that you just do not feel satisfied at all. Doesn't that imply that you are meant for something far greater, far more wonderful and far more glorious? The dissatisfaction that we feel within our lives is a sign that you were meant for more, but the fall robbed that from you. And he's saying, but we live in this world now and we suffer. And, 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 and this, this present suffering is, is at work within our lives. And he says, listen, I'm making a comparison. And this is the comparison that Paul is saying. The world is broken. There is pain. There is decay. There is suffering. You will not find satisfaction in anywhere else except the Lord Jesus Christ. But compared to what your life is now, as you pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And Jesus never promised that life would be easy. Jesus never promised that when we be followed him, that everything would run smoothly. Jesus never promised that we would not face difficulty and suffering and pain. But what What the apostle is saying is set your eyes on the coming glory of what God has for you. You see, you ask the question about how did the southern slaves in in the southern states get through the most horrific treatment and abuse and agony. Well, if you read the history of how In the middle of the deepest pain, they found the truth that the Lord comes by us. They discovered in great spiritual songs about, come by ah, my Lord. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Soon and very soon. We look at this old world, we look at the sickness, we look at the pain, we look at the agony. But one day, Paul is saying, this is going to be compared to this is nothing compared to the glory of God that will come down and change this world. That's how the Christians live. We live, yes, we battle, yes, we suffer, but I'll tell you what, and, and he refines us, but when we connect to the vision of the age to come. We connect to eternity. You see, and so many of us live like millionaires who worry about when we lose a penny. So many of us live lives when we are heirs and we are rich and we will will inherit eternal life. The first thing you'll inherit as a son and a daughter of the Lord. The second thing you will inherit 
is God himself. Think about that. We inherit, the apostle says. We inherit eternity, but we inherit the very presence of God manifest in our lives for eternity. And he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation and the children of God to be revealed. You and I are the children of God and, the, and creation itself, this very planet, this very place, wakes eagerly for one day that the true glories of who God has done and what God has done in our lives will be revealed within us. The whole of creation waits for the sons of God, the daughters of God, to experience the uniting and the fullness of all that Christ did upon the cross. Now we suffer. But I have discovered that when I go through the most difficult times of suffering, it is those times that God produces the most beautiful fruit in my life. I know that when I suffer, it is in those times that God produces something so precious within my heart. And this is hard sometimes for us to understand as we carry our crosses, as many of us journey through difficult times, that we, we find the beauty of God in our journey. At the same time, we set our eyes on the coming glory. And what God will do within us. He says, for the creation waits in eager expectation. Come on, God, do it. Come on, God, change this world. Come on, God, look at the pain. Look at the pollution. Look at the agony. Look at the injustice. Look at all that is happening. Look at the species that have been wiped out through extinction. Look at the way that we abuse our ecology. Look at the way that we take this world and we just trash it. And the whole of creation almost peers over, he's saying, and longs to see the day when the coming of the Lord comes. It's like this. I did a wedding on Saturday. And all the groomsmen came in. And they stood there. They were all from our church. Um, many names you know. Uh, youth leaders. And, and they all stood in a line. We were at Evangel Church. Because we had an exchange program with their ladies. Uh, anyway. And, and Johanna was there. She was originally from Evangel. And, and they all lined up. And I'm there. Um, being the minister. And, and then, then the door creaks open. And then comes the first few bridesmaids and everybody's looking. And they look at the bridesmaids and they're impressive, beautiful. And we're waiting. And then two flower girls came. They're only about 18 months old and they were being carried and swung like this. And everybody was straining their neck. Oh, what's coming next? And Donovan... Oh, you've seen his leads worship. He was straining to see his bride, to see the dress, to see the glory. It was better than Meghan Markle. It was amazing. <laughs> she looked glorious and then the doors closed again, but then the door opened and everybody's neck grew about a foot and a half. They were doing exactly this, eagerly expecting something glorious. And there she came down. 
glorious, beautiful, with her father to the front, who gives this woman to be married to this man. We do, they said. The parents came down and the two were united. This is what Paul's talking about. He's saying that the whole of creation is straining its neck to see the coming of the king to take the bride. The whole of creation is straining to put what sin wrecked and corrupted It's like children in Christmas morning, the night before, we're all anxious and waiting. We've got our pajamas on. We're waiting and we're going, tomorrow morning, or depending on which, whether you do it, anyway, you know what I mean. And whether you're Christmas Eve openers or Christmas morning openers, the thing is the same. Children anticipate, eagerly wait to see the surprise that they're going to see. This is the heart of Paul. We suffer. We go through difficulty. We are sick. We face bankruptcy. We face persecution. We face isolation. We are misunderstood. Life can be tough. We pick up our cross and follow the Lord. But one day, the glorious moment will come when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will return. Everything is straining, he says, to see this. Creation itself groans for the creation was subject to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, the fall. But in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. See, creation is waiting for you and I as Christians to be brought into the freedom and the glory of God. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? See, a lot of us, we think about eternity in a kind of Greek way. It's about heaven. It's about when I, before I understood theology and I was a young boy, you know, I just thought heaven sounded really boring. There are clouds there and fat little babies with wings and harps and that we were going to stand there for thousands of years singing thine be the glory which is okay once but you know forever singing hymns did not sound exciting to me but Paul makes it clear it's not that it's not cliche in fact we don't really, we've got images, we've got metaphors, but I, let me, we don't really fully understand quite what it's going to be like. It's like when I was, when Michelle was pregnant and, and we'd never had children, we, we didn't quite know what it would be like. Yeah? I had ideas. I was like, you know, oh yes, when, when we have children, we're going to organize them perfectly. And um, they're going to do exactly what we tell them. And uh, they're going to go into the pram. I'm not going to be like those other parents, unruly. Look at them, they're ridiculous. They can't control their children. I'm going to keep mine perfect. They're going to look beautiful. They're going to eat with a knife and fork from the age of six months. They are going to be amazing. I didn't really have a clue what it would be like. 
I had my idea. And then I had the reality. But I tell you what, the beauty of the reality was so amazing. I had twins first, as you know. So amazing. It wasn't always perfect, but I never really quite... And I think the apostle is saying this. We don't quite know. It's a mystery. It's amazing. We're using pictures and metaphors and images and new kingdom. But whatever it's going to be, it's going to be spectacular. Spectacular. It's spectacular what he will do in our life. And so we groan and we know that God one day, and what we do know from Scripture is that there will be a marriage between heaven and earth. We know from Romans, this is what he's talking about, this marriage of the renewing of between heavens and earth. We know that there will be a great coming of, of the day in, in Revelations 21. We know from 1 Corinthians 15 that all evil, all death, all decay will go and the great resurrection will take place. It's beautiful. So beautiful. And it helps us when we face difficult times. It helps us when we look at the world that we live in to remind ourselves that this is nothing, he says, compared to what is coming. Let's pause for a moment. And let's thank the Lord that you are children of God. Let's thank the Lord that we are expecting God. That we have a hope a faith. The creation is eagerly waiting and we are eagerly waiting. And how can we usher that in? We can usher that in by being a people of prayer. By being a people that even though we go through the most difficult of times, we know that the glory of the Lord will be revealed one day. And Father, I pray and thank you for this glorious day. I thank you for what you've been doing. And for all of us, different ones who are in the middle of that journey of suffering, of difficulty. I pray God that you will encourage each family here that is facing the difficulty. And the challenge we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.